Axe Changed, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business at Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Acadia University is a member of the Maple League of Universities, an association of premier, primarily undergraduate universities that consistently rank highest for educational quality in Canada. The School of Business at Acadia University is named after Fred C. Manning, the first person in Canada to receive the honour of having a business school named after him. To learn more about Acadia University and the business school, please visit acadiau.ca and business.acadiau.ca. And now, onto the podcast. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Axe Change Radio Podcast, the official podcast for the FC Manning School of Business Administration at Acadia University here in Wolfville, Nova Scotia. My name is Bailey Darling, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Jeremy Novak. Now, Jeremy is a BBA graduate of Acadia, and he is based out of the Annapolis Valley. I am very excited for this episode because Jeremy is not your typical entrepreneur. He founded a multitude of startups, including Wolfville's Food Tour, the Valley Ghost Walk, and the Grapevine Newspaper, and much more. So without further ado, Jeremy, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast, and thank you so much for being here today. Well, I'm uh, absolutely thrilled to be here. Thank you, Bailey. So to start out, why don't you tell me a little bit about your time here at Acadia, because I know you were a 2008 uh, Acadia grad, so why don't we dive into that and your time here? Sure, yeah. I... um originally from the west coast from vancouver and i found myself out on the east coast here as a katimavik project leader if you know that program apparently it's just got funding again to start up again so i'm pretty thrilled about that but uh, i went to king's tech for two years took financial services just down the road and then at that point when i graduated there um I mean, I'm an old guy here, so I graduated there in 2006. Uh, they had an articulation agreement with the business program at King's Tech and here at Acadia. So two years of business could equate to coming into my third year business here at Acadia. So I took advantage of that. I, was, I think I was the first student to actually take advantage of that agreement. And so I came into Acadia kind of being like a bit of an older student in comparison to most of the student body. At King's Tech's a bit different because... You know, you get students from all ages. But I had a great time both at King's Tech and here. Um, at both campuses, I was involved with an entrepreneurial club, which I don't know if they still exist on campus or not. At the time that I was with it, it was called ACE, Advancing Canadian Entrepreneurship. It changed to SIFE, and now it's called Enactus. Have you heard of Enactus? I have. I actually interviewed a guest, the president of Enactus, on my last episode. Well, that also makes me thrilled to know that that club is still going on strong here as well. Uh, I was the president uh, uh, in both places, and we did some fun things. You know, uh, it's a wonderful program club in the sense that uh, entrepreneurship is so many different things. And when you're in a structure, such as a club setting, uh, then you have all the resources available to you to try different things. Mm. Um, the campus can be your canvas, if you will. And why can't you try things? And some are going to be successful and some aren't. And what's success? Is it monetary? Is it many other things? I think it's many things. So, you know, I use my time at King's Tech and Acadia to, uh, you know, get involved, I guess, with the business entrepreneurial side of things. We actually learned that business students are some of the worst entrepreneurial students because maybe they're thinking more of that corporate sort of let's do the job, um, whereas you get some more. Our club had 
members from music and from sciences and from all over the place. That's what was neat about any club because you kind of get that intermingling a little bit. It was enjoyable, I got to say. I, I, it was literally in my backyard here uh, going to Acadia, so uh, it made sense for me to just continue that uh, education thought process. I, I haven't continued since. Like, I haven't continued on to get that master's, the MBA, but... You know, a school will always be there to accept our money. So until I know exactly what I want to do and why I want to do it, I'll probably hold off on more schooling. But you can never go wrong with more schooling, really. You know, you get more in debt, but you can't really go wrong having more education. Right, absolutely. Yeah, The uh, I'm actually been quite involved with the Acadia Entrepreneurship Center and, and the tools and resources, really, that they have to offer this year on campus specifically. And I'm really starting to dive into my own entrepreneurial journey um, and you are totally right business students make some of the worst entrepreneurs <laughs> and that is what I've just realized in the past year at least um, I'm so not that, saying they all are but right, right. you know you get all sorts and so you can't discredit just be you know actually a, mus a music student is going to probably end up being the most entrepreneurial of us all because they have to hustle right they, they can make music I've known a few people over the years living here in the valley who have made music their number one that's what they do in the valley and they make a living on it now they work hard because they have to diversify what they do right you can't just do concerts in the valley and live off your concert revenue that can be one aspect of your revenue but you have to teach classes and you have to be the sound person and this that and the other right another question following up on you being in the entrepreneurship club is did you know you wanted to be your own boss after you left Acadia essentially well um I guess my last year of Acadia there was a course offered by Axby, you just mentioned, right, the Acadia Business Center, uh, and we had to design a business plan. And so I said, well, let's do a walking tour of Wolfville. Uh, I, I was new to the valley still, like, and uh, I looked at other touristy destinations like Lunenburg and, you know, Bedeck and Halifax, and they had walking tours of their town. And I thought, well, Wolfville's interesting, and I just want to hang out here and make a few bucks and talk to people uh, along the way. So that's what I designed during my last year. And uh, then I said, I'm going to do it. So it was not really well attended because my marketing has always been a little weak. But it got me thinking that, you know, tours in the Valley could happen. And this was in 2008, I guess. And that summer, I went on Ale Melanson's candlelight tour down in Annapolis Royal. I don't know if you've seen his show, but he's a one-man show. He's a 10th generation Acadian. So when he's talking about the Melanson family settlement, the National Historic Site across the river, like that's his family. So he was so credible and I was uh, blown away by it. So I picked his brain and he encouraged me. And so the whole way drive back to Wolfville, I thought, okay, change of plan. Like the walking tour concept, fine and dandy, but let's do something in the evening. Let's do some ghosts. And the ghost walks aren't going to, you know, be my number one. It's not, I can't live off the ghost walks. It's very seasonal and it's kind of a hobby, but it, is small business and it does teach a lot of things and over the 10 years this now will be our 11th year doing it um you know you learn a, a little bit so you know entrepreneurship can be many things and a ghost walk why not right i love that yeah and let's get into that a little more actually i'd love to hear really the timeline from after you left acadia and i know you've been a part of many business ventures i'd love to hear the timeline of of those throughout your time after Acadia until now, really. Okay. All right. Um, 
Well, continuing with, I guess, with the ghost walk then, it was... It was November of 2008 when we had our first scheduled ghost walk. And uh, the second show, we had 41 people. And I couldn't believe it. Like, there was 41 people in front of me, and I was Jerome the Gravekeeper. Because I saw what Alan Melanson was able to do, and he's so credible. And who am I? I was this outsider from Vancouver, and I needed an omnipresent, fictitious character uh, that I could be. And so I had the three-piece suit in my tickle trunk, and the idea came that, okay, I'll be the gravekeeper because gravekeepers would know everybody, you know. As far as we know, there wasn't a drone, the gravekeeper, so there could have been, but I'm probably the only fictitious character in the walks. Um, and so that was, that was an interesting thing to do. I ended up doing five shows, November and December, and then I said, okay, I guess i got to move. i got to, you know, take off and get out of Wolfville. This was fun and dandy, but, you know. I was still young and ambitious, so I went off to Ottawa. My sister was out there, and uh, I guess it's, it's funny how things just work out. Like, there was a bus strike in winter in Ottawa when I was there, and I was dependent on everyone to drive me around, and I hated it. My car was out here, and I left things here, so I came back here with no plan, and any money I made in Ottawa, I quickly kind of burned through it. So here I am, like, in March, I guess 2009, thinking okay now what um a few things came about but the grapevine the, the the newspaper right hopefully you guys have heard of the grapevine it's a handy little newspaper i've always said that now i didn't start the grapevine um when i came back and it was you know figuring it out in 2009 uh andy and ariana the musicians uh, they were running the paper at the time and they wanted out it, it, it's so continuous right every two weeks there's a new issue so you put one issue to bed and Anyone who's worked at the Athier or whatever, uh, they'll know. Like, papers take a lot of work, and there's a lot of emails. But what a great experience it was. So Andy said, you could do this. And I said, yeah, but not by myself. So Jocelyn, uh, I knew her through a roommate, and I knew how talented she was with graphic design and whatnot. And so I chatted with her, and I didn't know at the time, but her dream all her childhood life was to run a newspaper. So we met with Adam Barnett, the guy who actually started the paper before Andy and Ariana. And Adam was actually a student here at Acadia. And he said, I'm going to take on a project. I'm going to start a little newsletter because I live in this great town of Wolfville. And there's so many things going on, but you don't know when and where these things are happening. There was no Valley Events website back then. There was no great fine newspaper back then. And so he would go with a clipboard to these poster boards around town and scribble down the information. He, he, he later said he took photos of these posters and did it all at home. So he started to work a bit smarter than harder, but very humble roots. And the grapevine organically was created in, I think it was 2004, if not 2003. So we then, Jocelyn and myself, we were the third owners of it in uh, 2009. And uh, talk about a slow and steady sort of thing, right? Like. I didn't have a dream to run a newspaper as a child, but I really enjoyed what the grapevine was offering, right? A, a, a place in the community, I think, first and foremost, because I felt like we were contributing. We were helping people navigate this area, a free paper for those who find themselves in the Annapolis Valley. And that's the tagline we sort of put on the front cover. I guess it was eight years with the paper. I mean, slow and steady. Uh, we eventually changed to newsprint. So it was a photocopied, black and white, eight-page publication when we more or less inherited it. 
and it was printed here on campus at the Acadia Print Shop. Uh, Dan is still there. But yeah, we had to make the, we, we ran out of space. They could not print any more copies or any more pages. And we, you know, we would always just print an extra 50, extra 100. And, and we noticed on our delivery rounds, they were being picked up. So obviously people are reading it and liked it. So it was slow and steady, slow and steady. And trying to find ads, the ad game, it's not a, a game I want to necessarily be in again anytime soon uh, because it's tough. There's so many people knocking on everybody's doors. You know, talk to any one of these businesses in town. How many people a day go into them saying, hey, can you support my bottle drive or this, that or the other? And that comes with the territory, right? So we, I was just one of many. How do you differentiate in that sort of marketplace? And going back to your business partner that you mentioned, right? I, as someone who is going into entrepreneurship and looking at potential business partners, I have heard from many people I have talked to the importance of having a good business partner and how that can really make or break your experience around a business. Mm. And I'd love if you could speak to that for a minute. You know, I'm glad Joss and I met with Adam Barnett beforehand. We didn't just blindly go into it. Uh, we were enthusiastic and, and pretty young and ambitious, but we did have a few talks with a few people and we decided to shake hands and go into business. But certainly knowing that business partner, trusting that business partner, uh, you're gonna learn a lot about that person. You're gonna chance to spend a lot of time with that person. Uh, my last year with the paper, there was um, there ended up being six of us because we got to the point where it was just too much work for two. So we found a couple of people that worked and the team was good. I think we made some really good progress during that time. It was just uh, for a few reasons, it was time for me to sort of uh, step away. And I think that the paper is still very strong. It's been two years now without me. And I love I love reading the paper. I actually read the paper now more than I did when I was running it because by the time it was printed, I was just flipping through looking for all the errors. Like, what did we mess up with this issue? And I didn't even have time or the energy to read it. Now I can sit down and enjoy the grapevine again, which is quite nice. Good, that must be nice. <laughs> yeah. So out of the food, the, the Wolfville's food tours, the Valley Ghost Walk, and then the grapevine newspaper that you've mentioned, I'd like to know, in your opinion, which you think has been the most successful and what is that measure of success? Because it doesn't always mean revenue mm -hmm. in the typical business model. It could be something like how many people you, you touch. So I'd like to know which you think is your most successful and what metric, why do you think it is most su the successful? I love, I love the fact that the grapevine is still strong and continuing on because I know that that affects a lot of people on a weekly basis and when people have an event right like if you're not putting your event up on valleyevents.ca and or giving it to the grapevine you're just foolish because these are two free vehicles that people religiously use around here to find out what's going on in the valley so i think me contributing to this entity is something that i'm very proud of uh, i like the fact that i put in those late hours some issues i counted it up there was over 400 emails that went into one issue that's good stuff it didn't make me a, a wealthy man whatsoever. For me, the metric of money as being a success, like I've, n I've had to just hold off on that. And it's tough sometimes, right? Because now I'm getting up there. I'm not this young 20 year old coming out of school thinking that I got all this time. So it gets to a point where you, you want different things at different stages in your life. And how do I get there? How can I get there? And when I think about me in, in an entrepreneurial setting, well, tours makes most sense. The wine industry here, for example, right? Like that's so legit and it's only going to keep growing. People are going to continue to come to Wolfville. And 
I think the ghost walk thing plays into that and other ideas that I can do in the name of tourism. Uh, I don't know if that answered your question, but success, right? Like it means a lot of different things. I love the fact that the ghost walks are successful. Our average attendance keeps going up a little bit. Like we averaged over 34 people a show last uh, year, which is the most we've ever done. And like 230 walks over the, or shows with over, you know, the uh, 10 years. Uh, and I love the fact that genuinely people keep coming up to me to say that was a lot of fun. We enjoyed it. We learned something about where we live. I've lived here all my life. I didn't know this stuff beforehand. And, and th that's fun. Like that's success to me as well. And stories, that's what it's all about. People love hearing a good story or reading a good story or experiencing a good story. And if you can just portray that story in an interesting way, there's gonna be an audience for it. So whether it's a social media presence, you're telling a story that way, or whether it's a, a ghost walk or a newspaper article or whatever, people love a good story. Content is king. I'm glad, I'm glad you touched on that. That actually leads me into the, one of my questions that I had for you, um, because I believe that communicating through storytelling is quite an art form that very few can master. And from what I've heard during this podcast and from others, you have a natural ability to communicate through telling stories. So would you agree with this notion of communicating through storytelling and how important that has been in your life? Oh, completely. I think it's, it's so important. I, I'm not sure where it necessarily came from, but as I've just continued to, you know, the grapevine, again, tons of stories. The who's who is the most widely read article, I'd say. People like to learn about other people in the community. So that's one format to tell the story and uh, doing a a show bringing a, a ghost to life. Now, some, some people might not know what the ghost walk is. It, it's not scary. It's not supernatural. It, it's We live in such a historically amazing area, this Annapolis Valley. A lot of people are unaware, especially if they're just coming here for a few years of school or whatever. But this is an incredibly rich, historic, you know, people have been living here. Well, First Nations culture, of course, you know, the Mi'kmaq thousands of years it's across the board in North America. But this, 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 this European influence we're talking about the early 1600s with Champlain down in uh, uh, Annapolis Royal. So you just don't get that richness uh, of this European history as, you know, in Vancouver where I grew up, as you do here. So it wasn't until I came out here and actually, you know, walked on Grand Pre and down Annapolis Royal walking on the fort there to really appreciate the history of it. So, yeah, I didn't know when I was in high school how much I'd be into history, but I am. Mm. Um, I actually haven't been on a, a ghost walk. I do plan on it, but I'd love to I'll know. I'll give you a free ticket. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> I'd love to know what goes into the planning of that and kind of the day-to-day -day operations surrounding that for you. Okay. Uh, this past year, we had, what was it, 40 total shows. So most of them were planned, scheduled shows Thursday, every Thursday night from uh, Apple Blossom Festival in May until Halloween. Um, some select Fridays, some select Saturdays, and then there's a few private shows thrown in on top of that. A private show could be at an old folks home, it could be at a school, it could be uh, around a campfire, a noggins farm market. Uh, it's a whole bunch of different things. We're portable. That's a cool thing about us ghosts is that it's storytelling. So yes, we have our 
actual route in Wolfville. We started the clock tower, going to the old burial grounds down Main Street, and we end up at the um, at the Willowbank Cemetery up Gaspro Avenue. Uh, at Mona Parsons' grave, and hopefully more people are aware of Mona Parsons now. We're going to be celebrating her life here very soon. Well, I think this year, Nova Scotia has recognized Mona Parsons as being the person that they're honoring, which is really cool, uh, because she's from Wolfville, and um, she's one of the ghosts who come out to tell their tale. So so planning it, the day-to-days... Uh, this off season, that's this is when we decide what are we, what's the upcoming season going to look like. So it's going to be every Thursday again. That's um, I have a lot of returning ghosts uh, who like the Thursdays. It works for them, so no need to reinvent that. A lot of people, you mentioned you haven't been on it, and that's great. A lot of people haven't been on it yet. A lot have. A lot of people come back a second time when they have. Uh, guests visiting they can come on and now we've replicated this process this Wolfville thing in Kentville Windsor Halls Harbor Uh, so we're in four communities and we do a compilation show at the winery at the Grand Prix winery Uh, coming up in a couple of weeks we're going to have two shows during the Ice Wine Festival at the Lightfoot and Wolfville winery the first one's already sold out which is amazing like Mm. that's cool that's 40 people that's what we're capping it at and the second one there's like five tickets left and uh, and so that's great like I've never had shows sell out so early there's like it feels good. So we want to do a good job with it, obviously. And uh, Hansport, that's a new community on our radar. Uh, we've r- received a little bit of uh, money uh, to help us with the script writing and research. So a new ghost is going to come to life at the Life of the Wolfville Winery, Silas Rand. You probably don't know about Silas Rand, but we're talking the 1850s, and he worked a lot with the Mi'kmaq uh, First Nations uh, culture, transcribing the tales of Glooscap for the very first time. He recorded over 40,000 Mi'kmaq words, and his dictionary of Mi'kmaq words and language was, pu- was published before he died. So that's really neat. Like, he's got some things to say. And so the way that script is written, it actually says a few things just about, you know, culture and and learning languages and the importance of it and all that. So uh, I love that. I think that being able to develop more ghosts and to tell more tales, that's a huge next step for Valley Ghost Walks. So one of the things we're working on when you talk about the day-to-days is, have you heard of Patreon? I have not. So it's crowdsource funding. Revenue's got to come from different sources. And the way we're set up, we are a for-profit entity. It's an easy way to set up a business. Just, you know, register a business name and you pay the 65 bucks for the name search and then another 60-some-odd bucks to, you know, be legal. And now you can get a bank account with that information and you can open up a business pretty easily. So 10 years ago, that's more or less what I did. But since that time, I've realized that to get grants and government funding and things to help. We're, we're, we're a theater business, you know, theater tourism. We don't make a lot of money, uh, but because we're a for-profit, we don't qualify for a lot of government assistance. So it's one of the barriers we've faced over the years. But the bottom line is in order to grow this concept, we need to pay for script writing and research. So how do you get that money? Um, Patreon, I think, will allow another vehicle for that to happen. Now, you don't have to pay us or contribute to us through that way if you don't want to, but it's set up either two ways, an artist or a creator. It's not just set up for 
it, it's creators. It's, it's an open concept. So podcasters, vlog, vloggers, uh, uh, different people have Patreon accounts, right? You don't get it if you don't ask. And you can set it up every time you create. You'll get your donators, your supporters giving you a little something, whatever they sign up to give you, a dollar, uh, five bucks, whatever it is. Or you can set it up so every month they're going to pay you that. But it's a reoccurring, it's an ongoing thing. So, so they're patrons of the art. And that's the whole concept of the site. Anyway, I could go on about Patreon. And right now we're setting up one for ourselves. You know, Valley Ghost Walks, it's, it's time just to give people the option. If they want to help grow what we do, if they believe in it, um, then they can. And the fun way about this is you actually grow your relationships with your supporters because you offer them things, all right? For the $1 level, this is what you're gonna get. For the $5 level, this is what you're gonna get. So it's an excuse to make some ghost walk swag. We've never had hats, we've never had candles, we've never had Jerome the Gravekeeper bobbleheads, but mm -hmm. these are all things that we can offer now. Uh, so that's exciting. Where can people yeah. go to connect on that level? Well, it's not launch yet. Sure. Uh, one of the things that we need to do is, uh, and we're in the process of it, we've had one day of filming, but I want to put my best foot forward, right? And so it's got to be a good video and it's going to be a great video, but a three minute video explaining the concept of what Valley Ghost Walks is all about. Mm. Uh, and and so you, you will, I will release and announce that at some point. I, I got the normal social media channels for Valley Ghost Walks. Mm. There's a Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then of course there's the website as well. Uh, getting your messages out to people, it's a challenge, right? Because mm. there's so many other options. Uh, there's so many things to distract us with. Uh, how do you stand out? Well, for Jerome, he's got some crazy hair. So <laughs> I think that that's one marketing tool that helps. <laughs> Actually, I have a question going off that. So for me, as someone who is currently trying to build their own business, I am really struggling with personal branding and how I go about that. And from what I've researched online, you seem to have a very strong and unique personal brand. So have you ever looked into the creation of personal branding actively or is it something that just came about due to your outgoing personality well i mean branding is obviously very important when i look at how to improve things marketing has always been my achilles heel no one came out on the wolfville walking tours because i had a hard time getting the message out of course i was 10 years ago now and social media wasn't quite as strong as it is now but i think i think posting ongoing like you know like not being obnoxious with your posting but post applicable things the name there's a lot in a name right mm. it's all about a name and then and then uh, go from there sort of in my thinking but you as yourself right we are all our own brand right exactly. so how we communicate with others and how we interact within the community that's branding in itself right if you have a positive reputation then that's gonna go a long way uh and if you do things to actively go against your reputation, well, then that's not going to help. It's, it's not rocket science, but uh, a name, I think, is quite important, right? So I, I, on Instagram, I go by Wolf Vegas Famous. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a fun little thing. And I was thinking for this new tourism business, you know, like, is that going to be the name of the new tourism business? I like it. I mean, I already got a little bit of a following there. And it, it's, it's catchy and it's kind of like an inside joke, if you will and it's fun, but does it have appeal beyond the immediate? And that's what people were questioning. And I got to agree with those people. So I didn't just forge on and say, that's the name and jumped into it. I chatted with a lot of people. I asked a lot of people that I trust in tourism and, and business, what about this name? And 
Um, the Wolf Vegas Famous probably isn't going to work. So I wish I could tell you what the new name is, mm. uh, but we're almost there. And it also has a retro cool for Wolf Phil, and I think it's more appealing, right? But I'm essentially going to be starting in some ways that branding from square one because I'm going to have to do a new Instagram account and a new Facebook for that business in itself. Uh, I guess, you know, ugh, another account to log into. Mm -hmm. That's the problem with all these things, right? Like they're fun, but how do you... The, if, if you're just branded as yourself, I mean, I mean, there's 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 a lot to be said about that. A lot of people do that, right? Like there's performers or speakers or artists or whatever the case, and they just go by their own name, and it's working for them. I just don't think uh, uh, that would work for me quite yet. <laughs> you're listening to the Axe Change, the official podcast of the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration. Acadia University, Wolfville, Nova Scotia. Podcast host Bailey Darling interviews entrepreneur Jeremy Novak. Um, one other thing I wanted to get into is that from what I observe, Jeremy, you seem to honestly and truly love what you do. So I'd like to know how much of your entrepreneurial ventures have been based around a lifestyle choice and pursuing your passion, what you love to do. Yeah, that's that's a big one there. And I think I have to put stock into that more than dwelling on the fact that I don't have as much money in my bank account as I wish I did at this point in life. Right. It's an easy thing to kind of get you down on if that's the only matrix that you concentrate on it. Life is so much more than about money. I love living in Wolfville. I've made the conscious decision to be here for as long as I have been. And I've been in Wolfville now. This is like my 15th year being in town. I've seen a lot of slow changes, but things have changed. The wine industry is legit now. Like it is a real thing. And to me, it gives me the confidence to say, okay, I can make a tourism business here and I can do more than what I'm currently doing. Uh, so a lifestyle choice, yeah, I've made some sacrifices in the sense that I look at my friends who I graduated high school with in Vancouver, they're doing fine for themselves, absolutely. And we're not at the same level anymore. But that's okay, because I'm on my path, and if they ever come to Wolfville, they'll see some of the charm that I see as well. A home is where you make it, right? My parents are still out in Vancouver, so it does, you know, that's the one draw, the hard part about being here. It's ongoing pull to go back there. And I'll go back there one day. I, I really will. Um, but I don't feel like I'm done here yet, mm. right? I feel like there's still more to accomplish. And I love a small town, right? Because as a campus is your canvas, a community can be your canvas as well. You sort of take that thinking a little bit further. So that bench will, that bench can be a stage, mm. right? Hop on that bench and tell your story. And that's what Jerome does. Yeah, I'd actually, I, there's a quote that I found from Jerome the Gravedigger that I'd like to get into, and it, it reads, Entrepreneurship can sometimes mean walking loudly through town with white face, makeup, and a shovel. The community can be your canvas. We live in the most historical, amazing area in all of North America. Why not celebrate it in a fun and creative way? So I'd love for you to speak to that because you've been mentioning anything can be your canvas. So explain maybe to our listeners what that means to you. Well, you know, entrepreneurship, it, it's so many different things. I, before I made it to Nova Scotia, I was actually mentored in small business entrepreneurship and managing a movie theater in a little town called Gravelburg, Saskatchewan. So we're talking about an hour south of Moose Jaw, very flat, a uh, town of 1,200 people, 
with a French boarding school, so it kind of had that Acadia education feel to it. And it was a unique town within southern Saskatchewan. And during my time there, I started doing telegrams. I would dress up like a nerd and I would embarrass people on their birthdays or anniversaries or weddings or whatever the case may be. There'd be a friend who would set it up and I would ask them lots of questions about the mark. And uh, it's like a five minute, six minute, seven minute thing. I'd do some dancing and uh, get them to dance with me and uh, give them a little gift in and out. I uh, never thought I would do that. But that showed me that, you know, I'd make a 75 to 100 bucks each time I did it. And it was fun. So sometimes you, you create a character. And, and there's no way Jerome the Gravekeeper would have happened if Franklin the Nerd didn't preclude him. <laughs> so it's funny the way your life kind of takes you places, right? The, my mentor, Monica, she's still a, a presence in my life. She now lives in BC, so we sort of flip places a little bit. And... Uh, you have to, as you live life, continually get wiser. You know, keep the people who you can trust in your networks and stay in touch with those people. And when you have ideas or thoughts or questions, you have now people you can really trust to ask these questions to. You know, what do you think about this business name? Do you think I could do that? Do you think this could happen? You know, what about incorporating? Should I incorporate or should I, you know, should that be the next thing? Well, you have to have these people in your life to be able to bounce these uh, questions off of. And that's a trade-off. We, we don't get younger, you know, uh, we get older and hopefully we grow wiser, right? Absolutely, and you mentioned something there about, about mentorship. So whether it's a mentor, a role model who you haven't met or even a family member, who for you has been the biggest influence on your life so far and the choices you've made and the things you have decided to pursue? That's a, that's a big one right there. I mean, uh, on, on I've had a couple of faculty advisors uh, when I was uh, at Kings Tech. Uh, there was Shelley Meldrum and Lisa Lowthers on campus here through Axby. Uh, they, they certainly were always very encouraging about some of these crazy ideas that came into our heads. And uh, uh, of course, Monica in Saskatchewan, I spent you know, essentially two years with her driving around the province, speaking all over the province uh, to high schools and whatnot. Uh, so she certainly got me on this path of uh, looking at uh, a smaller town, you know, from Vancouver to Gravelberg. It was a bit of a shock. You know, now, you know, I look at uh, someone like Nicole Robinson at uh, King's Tech. At the, she's in charge of the tourism department. She's a friend of mine. And over the years, she's got me to go into her classrooms, kind of speak to them a little bit every year. She gets them to come on the ghost walk. So it works for me as well. Yeah, those are people I certainly do look up. I look at, I look at some of the, um, the entrepreneurs uh, in town and at the wineries. I look at people who are hustling. Right, they're they're young and they're trying to make a go of it here in rural Nova Scotia, and they're being successful, uh, whether they're doing this or that. But you can. It's harder in rural Nova Scotia as it would be in probably larger centers. But it's also, I think there's advantages there as well. If you mess up, it's hopefully not the end of the world, right? You can hopefully have the community to say that's all right, go get them next time, and you you keep going where you might get so much negative press or publicity elsewhere you find the good in a place and there's a lot of good to be said about the annapolis valley and i'm a little wolf-filled bias I, i'd rather live here than most other places because uh, this is where it's at this is where it's at this is where it's happening but you don't have wolf without everything else as well the wine industry is all around us and then you get all this spin-off happening local liquor right there's breweries there's distilleries there's cideries there's you know this is this is 
all coming about quicker because the wine is driving it, right? Uh, the wine bus, the numbers there, right? Like, uh, have we talked about the wine bus at all? A little bit? Briefly. Have you been on the wine bus? I have not yet. Again, it's not my thing. I didn't start this, but six years ago it came to be because we have all these wineries around Wolfville. And uh, the idea was hatched. Uh, David Hovel um, was the uh, Wolfville Business Development Corporation guy at that point, And he had a great uh, idea. And he approached the wineries. And now it's, it, it's getting on the same lists as Nova Scotia touristy destinations, things you must do when you visit, right? You know, the Maritime Museum in the Atlantic, Cape Breton Highland Trail, uh, you know, go to Bedeck, uh, Lunenburg, Peggy's Cove, Magic Wine Bus. Like, it's on those lists now because the reputation has grown tremendously. Mm -hmm. And so I've had the pleasure of being the mouthpiece, the tour guide on the bus for the past five years. So I've seen a kind of a first-hand experience, not only the wine bus business grow, but the whole excitement regarding the wine industry kind of develop as well. Tidal Bay, the program, the the wine, the white wine that 12 different wineries throughout the province create, that's a marketing uh, program done incredibly well. That puts us on the map. And other regions that grow make wine in Nova Scotia or in Canada, they don't have this Appalachian program. Like BC doesn't have a Tidal Bay equivalent or Ontario or anywhere. Like that's a, kind of unique to what we're doing. And uh, that all helps because the more people that are aware of us, they will come here and then they'll stay in the accommodation and then they'll maybe go on a ghost walk or listen to Axe Radio or whatever. Right? Got to get people here. Right. Yeah. So I have a couple more questions left. We have about 10 minutes. And I would like to know what your favorite part about being an entrepreneur is. My favorite part about being an entrepreneur, I, I like the creative side of things. I, I really like creating these new tours. Right. I look forward to be able to launch new ideas. The um, Wolfville Food Tour came about because I looked at other towns and they had these. Why not us? We have great restaurants. They are open year round. Uh, I don't have the next batch of food tours lined up at this point yet, but probably by March they'll start up again. And hopefully by the tourism season, all the restaurants will, you know, it'll be second nature and we'll just be able to flow right into it. So I like creating. I like that on an entrepreneurial side. I think the tourism industry allows me to do that because, again, there's no shortage of other ideas. Going to get it on that river eventually one day. That's what's driving me, right? That Cornwallis River. It's a, it's a, look at it next time and just know that that's the highest tides in the world and there's no one on that river for various reasons perhaps, but there could <laughs> be people on that river. Right, absolutely. I would like to also know what's been your biggest challenge thus far? Biggest challenge? I, get, I think staying motivated. I think staying positive. I think staying positive. I think that's been a challenge. Uh, last year uh, wasn't easy, right? I've really been digging 2018 so far because you have to talk to people. You have to sort of make sure that you're, you're healthy. Mental health, physical health, all the above. You, you have to make sure that those are in place in order to keep focusing on the good and the positive and keep striving forward because... Again, we all wish we had this or that in life or were, you know, this challenge wasn't there. Or, uh, so that can be challenging, right? I don't have uh, that nine to fiver that I go to. I, I find work when I need to, 
you know, and that's fine. I, I love learning some new things and it, it, it's not easy because it is rural Nova Scotia and we all are limited by our own personal obstructions, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Oh, you can't do this. Oh, that's not a good idea. Well, you listen to that to a point, but don't always listen to those things, right? Right. I think that that's so important and it's something that's overlooked. A lot of entrepreneurs are really looking and striving to bring value into other people's lives and they're so focused on that. But the important thing that people forget oftentimes is that you can't give to others until you take care of yourself first. So I really, really liked how you, how you touched on that. Um, one, of the, one of my last questions is what advice would you give college students entering the uncertain realm of entrepreneurship? I'd say start while you're in school. Start when you have these resources around you. Uh, start when you have these networks and teachers and faculty advisors that are willing to give their time to your ideas. Uh, you're loaded full of resources around here. And when you're out of school, you still have a lot of resources available to you. I, I've, I've, I've come onto campus many times over these years to meet up with people or, or to you know, use this or that. But we're, we're fortunate here um, to have Acadia and Kingstack down the road. The, you know, Jeff Cantwell, the mayor, says our, our industry here is education. And there's a lot of that here. This is, a, this, is, this is a great area. And so if you're looking at getting into entrepreneurship as a student, do it now, right? Like start somewhere, I guess. And just know that you can be a, a part-time entrepreneur or an intrapreneur. That's a thing as well. If you're in a business setting, what can you do that's creative within your job that could bring value to your company? That's, that's being an intrapreneur. So that's using those entrepreneurial skills to, you know, on an internal level. A lot of people I find here, they do multiple things. They got the day job, and then they also dabble in this and the other. And that's not unique to here, but I think that's an important thing to have because you need to pay the bills. And if you put too much pressure on your entrepreneurial business to fulfill all your needs, then you're setting yourself up for potential failure a little bit more. So reduce the pressure that you put on your entrepreneurial ventures. You know, what's your expectation? Have those goals and those expectations, but realize that, you know, maybe you know, tamper that down a little bit, right? Build your way up to step 10. Don't just think you can hit step 10 out the gate. Slow and steady. Slow and steady wins the race, right? So that's my advice. It's gotten me this far. I don't know how where I am exactly, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's a place that I'm still excited to be in, all right? I, Wolf feels great. Annapolis Valley's fantastic. And Nova Scotia, I still dig. And uh, I want to continue to be here. Perfect. And where can people go to connect with you personally? Uh, well, there's all those social media things. You know, Jeremy Novak is my name. But if you want to do, uh, you know, the ghost walks and Valley ghost walks, uh, Wolfville food tours, uh, there's a few options out there, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and eventually this new business. Right, right. We'll, we'll keep an eye out for that. <laughs> now, my very last question is a staple that I usually end with. And it is, if you had 15 minutes with your previous self before starting one or all of your business ventures, what would you say to yourself to save yourself any headache, heartache, or just general advice that you wish you had known back then? This is something that was told to me a long time ago. Uh, Ray Ivney, at that point, was the president of the Nova Scotia Community College, you know, before he was president here. And we just bumped into him by happens chance right before we were going to go to Toronto as uh, our ace club. And we had a little presentation and we knew we we weren't going to win or anything like that. It was just the experience of going. Like we were one of the only colleges. They're all big universities attending. And he said to us, have fun with it. 
have fun with it. That was his advice to us. Just go have fun with it. And that resonated with me because here's this you know, in char- guy in charge of it all. And, and that was his advice to us. And, and that I've always remembered. I've stuck with it. And I've tried to keep having fun. And I think having fun keeps us young. And it's important to not forget to... I don't think my 15-year-old self would have needed reminding to have fun. <laughs> but I think it's something to remember now today as well, right? And there's fun to be had in this town. Come check out the open mic on a Monday. You'll know all the musical talent around here at mm-hmm. Patty's, right? Uh, anyway, it's, uh, it's a good town. There's more, more to it than here. I think you got to keep gr- uh, uh, traveling. you got to get out of town. You know, an entrepreneur has to get out of Dodge and, and see other places of the world, whether it's going back to Vancouver or just leaving for a long time or a short time. Uh, because an idea that works afar, one of the huge advantages of rural Nova Scotia is that we're behind the times a little bit. So chances are it hasn't hit here yet. So if it's rocking somewhere else, if you're the first one to bring it here, giddy up, mm-hmm. right? Huge advantage of rural Nova Scotia in that sense. So advice, keep getting out keep seeing other places it's a great town but there's a big world out there too that that's just a great answer to that and i think we're going to end there on that note we are just about out of time unfortunately i feel like we could talk for another hour in all honesty but for me this has been a fantastic experience getting to see a new perspective of the entrepreneurial spirit uh, that i had not really seen before and i particularly enjoyed hearing about your creativity and passion behind everything that you do and just having fun with it i think that's something that i'll take with me forward in my entrepreneurial experiences. Now, I'd also like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to the Axe Change podcast today. And once again, Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be in the studio today. We really appreciate it. Bailey, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you coming in and uh, best of luck with your next podcast. Thank you very much. And until next time, this is the Axe Change podcast. Change podcast is produced by the Fred C. Manning School of Business Administration using studio facilities provided by Axe Radio. This is a volunteer production. If you would like to donate to help support the Axe Change podcast, please see podcast under the news and events tab on the business homepage at business.acadiau.ca. Thank you. Axe Change would like to thank Paul Callahan, Jonathan Campbell, Kendra Carmichael, Dwayne Curry, Ian Feltmate, Mike Kennedy, Ryan McNeil, Michael Shepard, Connor Vibert, and Blake Ward. Music is Pickup Truck by Silent Partner. Access copyright free at the YouTube Audio Library. Follow the Axe Change podcast on the News and Events tab on the business homepage or at SoundCloud under Axe Change. Until next time, I'm Ella Murphy. Yours in Acadia Spirit.